Today on the show, we're talking about ADHD, greed, selfishness, dopamine, money. What does this mean? What is going on here? Let's get into the show. Welcome back to ADHD Money Talk, the show that helps dynamic but distracted ADHD brains take back control over their money in order to stress less, live a more enriching life, and open up new and amazing possibilities. I think this is going to be an interesting episode because we're going to talk a little bit about greed, selfishness, ADHD, dopamine. What does this mean? What are my thoughts on this? What rabbit hole did I go down reading about this? So I just randomly decided like I'm going to do an episode about dopamine and money. Like what is the connection between ADHDers and our deficiency of dopamine? Why does that create money challenges? Because there's definitely a connection there as you might be aware of. Needless to say, I found an article from 2010 from the Harvard Business Review called Dope, Dopes, and Dopamine, The Problem with Money. And it's basically regarding the financial crisis of 2008 and the bad actors that kind of caused it. I just started getting my brain thinking and I was just reading it and I started making some connections between this and ADHD, believe it or not, so bear with me here. What happened with the financial crisis was basically a lot of greed and selfishness from big CEOs and powerful people. Something that struck me was something a big money bank CEO said to his fellow guests at a party held by then Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson at the height of the crisis. He said, we can't control our greed. The CEO acknowledged this in a rare moment of candor and insight. He said, you should regulate us more. So I thought that was interesting. Greed is defined as an excessive desire for wealth or goods. And at its most rapacious, greed trumps rationality, judgment, perspective, and any concern with the collateral damage it may cause. Stop calling me out, article. You're calling me greedy, article, because I kind of relate to that. I talk to a lot of people all the time that relate to this. But are we really greedy? So that's kind of the topic that I want to dive into a little bit. So the article does talk about dopamine and how these CEOs are basically, they basically found ways to pull financial levers to be able to line their pockets and make more money. And they were releasing dopamine in their brains, which is most reliably activated by novel stimuli, which we can also relate to as ADHDers because that is one of the things that gets us excited is something novel. So a lot of times, you know, as ADHDers, we'll have an experience that was novel and very exciting. And so we want to recreate that and do it again. And so these bankers also were like, okay, I can just, for instance, Angelo Mozillo, the then CEO of Countrywide, you haven't heard of Countrywide in a while, he would allow his employees to write tens of thousands of home mortgages that he knew were likely to default while selling off his own shares in the company and as fast as he could before the inevitable crash, because this way he would have a lot of personal money and once, and he almost like would have known that the company was going to go bankrupt at this point. So I don't know anything about him besides this, but it makes me wonder, terrible person or person in a position where he has enormous financial levers he can pull out a company to create such a rush of dopamine and create tremendous wealth for him. Now, wealth in the sense of a lot more money, I don't know if his particular definition of wealth is very well-rounded and holistic, but it got me thinking. And another point on the dopamine thing is, and this was in the article, the problem is, so we have the novel experience, we get the dopamine rush, we crave recreating the experience, but the problem is if we recreate the same exact experience the next time, then the dopamine levels tend not to increase 
as much as they did the first time. So you want more and more and more. And so we're talking here about big bankers who kind of crushed our economy and put millions of people out of work and really just screw up a lot of stuff. On a smaller scale and in the other direction, it can go there too, right? So like a few years ago when I was at the height of my own spending issues, as you well know by now if you've listened to the more of the beginning episodes of this podcast, the spending was a very foggy haze. You know, I was just doing it. It felt like it was verging on compulsion, almost like I couldn't control it. I didn't have control over my behavior. And the scale of the things that I was buying, I kind of relate to that. I said before about the dopamine, you need more and more and more and more. I would buy bigger and bigger things or bigger ticket items and dig myself a bigger and bigger hole. And I was not thinking about the collateral damage. I wasn't being rational. I was not using very good judgment. I didn't have any really good long-term perspective. That's the definition of greed. So was I greedy? Am I greedy? Am I selfish? Am I a self-centered person? This it's kind of a hard thing to answer. It's kind of a hard thing to have to think about too because it's it doesn't feel good to think these things. Like, oh, is this could I just be this bad of a person? So more on this in a little bit. So the scary part about the big CEOs here who helped crash the economy because of greed and an addiction to more money is how many people they hurt. So on a smaller scale, those with spending issues, which as ADHDers, there's you know a good handful of us out there. You know, we're also damaging other people too, most of the time at least, definitely ourselves. So, you know, it can create the psychological pain in the form of guilt, shame, anxiety, stress. But if you have a family, you know, if you have older parents and you have kids, you're also hurting them. The reality is, and it's hard to face, but the reality is you may be trading your kid's security for a temporary dopamine high. You are trading your ability to support your parents when they get older for a temporary dopamine high. Us ADHDers, our dopamine chasing expresses itself in a lot more ways than just being impulsive with spending, of course. So without getting too far off track, you may have issues with impulsive eating, addiction to drugs and alcohol, or engaging in risky behaviors, these things that give us that temporary fix because we are deficient in this area of having enough dopamine in our brains. And an issue that I know I have struggled with, and I'm sure a lot of you have struggled with, Without a doubt, I know this. We read an article like this and we're like, oh, these big guys are really bad and selfish. So I'm kind of similar on a smaller scale, so I'm really bad and selfish. We have done this for all of our lives where we kind of internalize these behaviors that seem to be socially deemed bad in, in a lot of respects, in, well, in almost every respect, it is bad, like objectively. And we levy this moral judgment on ourselves and it sucks and it hurts and it's painful and we have to just sort of deal with it. And I've, I've experienced this. We might think, now that I've mentioned, and it could seem like I am comparing some of these people who are deemed evil, greedy actors in the public consciousness that, you know, because I have engaged with a similar flavor of behavior, albeit on a smaller scale, that I too have something wrong with me that I need to try and keep hidden, cover up, try and minimize, but I'm not sure how because I just keep doing it. And this, I think, is part of the reason why we ADHDers are often labeled and mislabeled, really, if you, we're going to think about this a little bit further, but as self-centered and selfish. Of course, there are other reasons we are sometimes labeled selfish or self-centered, like interrupting or getting grumpy when plans change and 
turning inward to protect ourselves. So we kind of are focused on ourselves because we're scared of being judged or we're scared of whatever. Like there's reasons why we appear to be selfish besides this. In fact, I was reading some articles about how we're considered selfish and I didn't even see this anything about like the the impulsive spending thing. So bear with me. I don't even know if I'm, I hope I'm making sense, but this is just what I've been thinking about. So you're kind of just thinking with me here. You know, I've talked with so many ADHDers that have issues with spending to a point that has no doubt had a detrimental effect on for sure themselves and others. And while the spending is objectively, and I feel like I'm just being really harsh right now, but just bear with me. Well, spending is objectively self-serving in the sense that it is scratching this itch, so to speak. These people I'm talking with are incredibly generous, nice, not selfish-natured at all, as far as I can tell, friendly, concerned. So what's, what's the rub here? We're doing things that are objectively, if someone objectively looks at us and say, okay, that's ridiculous, that's selfish, that's greedy, they're not thinking of others. Meanwhile, you talk to them, and they don't seem like that at all. Well, this is another paradox of ADHD because we are different. There is a difference, in my opinion, in that unless these CEOs and dopamine-chasing CEOs have a diagnosis of ADHD, assuming they don't, presumably they have brains that have the adequate amount of working breaks. Their brains aren't starting off from a baseline level with an inadequate amount of dopamine. So to me, it's like they are doing this full well aware in the moment that their dopamine chasing behavior is dangerous, immoral, and flat out wrong. They've probably even, if I had to guess, they've probably considered and pondered and had the time to make the right decision. But still they just, they've given in. They've given in to the lure of wealth and money and money for more money's sake. So I think there's a huge huge difference there. We are at a disadvantage because we do things that are against who we actually are because our brain chemistry. Now with us ADHDers, it sounds like I could be making an excuse, which is another huge issue. When do you call ADHD an excuse and when is it not an excuse? It's a tough one because sometimes we feel so like beaten up, so down, depressed, feeling inadequate, feeling unworthy, feeling like an imposter. We're feeling so crappy because our behavior has not been aligning with who we truly are, but we don't know what to do. It's tempting to say, it's just ADHD. I can't help it. I, I cannot help it. It's because I have ADHD. This is just who I am. It's a tough question that I've pondered myself. So let's not call it an excuse, but I do think we can call it an explanation when we do these smaller scale destructive behaviors and we ADHDers know this intimately, we truly do not recognize in the moment the implications and consequences. In fact, we may not really fully come to terms with it at all until it's too late, at which point the guilt and shame can be so thick that we just crumble because we feel so bad and we have, yes, we have true incredible remorse. We feel terrible. That's different from the big CEO who may feel a little bit remorse, but they knew all along what they were doing. So it does beg the question, when might you consider your behavior reckless and actually selfish versus a true struggle with ADHD? I think it might be useful to think of it like this. If you have the diagnosis of ADHD, and this is key, and 
you have educated yourself, read books, have become aware and done time thinking about all the ways it's impacting your finances and your life as a whole, and then you choose to do absolutely nothing and continue with the status quo, then I think it's reasonable to levy some some judgments against you saying like, you know, or you're, and do it to yourself. Like, yeah, maybe I'm just not putting in the work and it's not easy and it sucks that we ADHDers have to do extra work essentially just to, just to be somewhere, you know, in the realm of, well, we don't ever want to try and be neurotypical, but unfortunately we're in a world that's not built for us. So we have to kind of adapt a little bit, you know, but if you have the diagnosis of ADHD and you had it when you were young and you don't know anything else about it, you may be like how I used to be where you're going through life and you're just feeling like you're a terrible person because you're doing this stuff and you don't know why and you don't want to be, but you just do it anyways. So becoming educated and reading and understanding ADHD and putting together the pieces of how it's been affecting you is such a key part of beginning to change. And that doesn't mean you're going to immediately just like all of a sudden fix things and be perfect at all these parts of your life. It's it's, no, it's going to be a long struggle. It's going to be hard. It is hard, but that way you have something you can say, okay, I have a reason for this. I'm not morally wrong. I just have, I'm at a disadvantage. I have a different brain. I need to have different strategies. I need to try different things. I need to put in systems and keep working until I can get out of this rut or whatever it is that you might be in. And I don't mean for this episode to be all negative. I feel like it's just been so negative, but it's just, it is what it is. Here we are. So what I'm saying is that if you then put in the honest effort to address the areas in your life that have brought you down personally, where you've considered yourself a bad person because you couldn't figure it out, if you put the honest effort in knowing now that you, know, you, have a, you have an explanation for why, then in my opinion, you are in no way not even close, not even within an order of magnitude, the same as these selfish CEOs who destroyed our economy with their greed and selfishness, just add more money in their pockets. Because so many of us with ADHD who aren't fully aware of how it's been affecting us and working on making changes, just don't understand why we are doing things that are so against who we want to be, which is why we feel awful about it, right? You know, it's it's way different. Like if you're spending all of your money and you're, you're you know, you're doing, you know, financial infidelity where you're hiding stuff from your significant other and you're you're just completely blowing your life up with money. And, and this can be applied to many other parts of life. And you're happy about it. Well, then this doesn't apply to you. But I'm talking to the adhd who has this huge disconnect between their behavior and how they actually want to be behaving. When I was at the height of my spending issues, and remember, I am a trained finance person. At the time of my spending issues, I wasn't as deep into the personal finance side, but I, I knew. So I should know better, right? Intellectually, I think I did know, but I felt completely out of control and I had nothing, nothing at all to lean on and say, here's an identifiable issue that I can work on because I just didn't understand ADHD. I'd had it. I knew I had it, but I had no idea the extent of it. So like I said before, once I connected all the dots between my behavior and my ADHD, everything came into focus and it led me down the path of self-development. Needless to say, I used to be someone who would go on Amazon every day just for fun and look at stuff and then ultimately just buy something. I can't tell you the last time I logged on to Amazon to just scroll. I can't tell you the last time I ordered a DoorDash. I can't tell you the last time I did any of these destructive behaviors, financial behaviors, because I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked because I knew I had to fix this. I knew I did and I knew ADHD was putting me at a disadvantage and I wanted to overcome it. It wasn't because I'm a bad person. I wasn't at my optimum because I 
didn't have the tools and the understanding I needed. Which, if I was really selfish and self-centered and only worrying about me and just wanting to buy things to make myself happy, if I really was like that at my core, I wouldn't have bothered, right? I just wouldn't have bothered. So I hope that makes sense. And this is just my opinion, of course, so take it for what it's worth to you. I did want to bring up one more thing. So in the article, there was a line that said, in the absence, and this is regarding the the CEOs, you know, the big bankers who destroyed our economy, um, in the absence of intimate connections to others or deeply held values or work devoted to a cause beyond themselves, accumulating wealth became the only way these bankers had to try to infuse their lives with meaning, significance, and satisfaction. I think this is so good and this is so applicable to what I do with clients every single day. These bankers were accumulating wealth because money for the sake of money was their way of adding meaning, significance, and satisfaction to their lives. Yes. So what are your destructive money behaviors adding to your life? Besides the easy answer of, you know, my brain wants a hit of dopamine, I can't help it. What problem is it actually solving? Is there something, is there emotional pain somewhere that it's solving for? Is it a distraction from something that you really should be doing? What is the real reason? So the powerful thing that I do which by no means do you need to work with a financial planner for this, though it does help, is to cultivate and understand and bring into the light your deeply held values and help you work towards a cause that's beyond yourself. Because uncovering this is, in my opinion, the most one of the most key ingredients in formulating a sustainable plan and mindset and intrinsic motivation. And when I say, like I've said this a lot, like the intrinsic motivation, that's what got me to the point where I am. Like it wasn't just, do up, like make the perfect budget. It wasn't just, you know, stick to the budget, you know, it wasn't just flip a switch one day and you're good. No, it takes understanding that life is short, man. Like you get one try at this. It's time. It's time to get it together because there's bigger and more important things. My family, the idea, the thought that I could, if I just do this one thing for three years straight, that I can then be able to afford a beautiful vacation every year with my family and make amazing memories. That is so much more important to me than the stupid crap that you buy, okay? And when you really dig deep, and I've said this a million times, but I can't ever say it enough, you begin to just slow down and see and see the bigger picture, and you just start to change your behavior. It works. You have to just work on it, though. So here's an exercise for you to do. And when you do this, you now have a framework for financial decision-making every single day. It becomes as simple as, is the spending decision in alignment with my goals and values? And if you go through a values exercise and determine that buying things on Amazon and ordering DoorDash is your highest, your, your peak core value then you have nothing to worry about, my friend. You are good. Keep doing it. However, I don't think that's going to be you. So find your actual core values and then print out your spending for the last three months and go line by line. Get a green and red highlighter and start highlighting each one. Green for in line with values, red for not. Add up the totals and see where you're at. I think that would be a very eye-opening exercise and at least get you started thinking in the right way. So... With all of that, guys, that's all I have for you today. Looking forward to bringing you more content. I hope you like this flavor of the podcast. I'm going to try and do more that are like this. Um, it takes a little bit more uh, thinking, <laughs> which is, you know, can be hard to just sit here and think and write, but um, that's it. So looking forward to bringing you more. If you've been enjoying it, why not leave a review on Apple? What do you have to lose? 
See you next week.